military industrial suplex, Tom Batista. I'm here with a good friend. He is back, John Morehouse. John, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. Glad to be back. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to the listeners of this show. Happy New Year. I hope 2023 is everything that you want it to be, and that is prosperous. Let's talk about things that are moving forward in a better direction, in a better light. Wrestling 365. <laughs> yeah. John, let's talk about it. Where, where, where were we last in the oh, calendar man. year? I got, I got, so 365 Wrestling was my attempt to watch and review a match from like every day on the calendar. So on January 1st, it was a match from some January 1st in the past. Uh, January 2nd, and so on and so forth, going all the way through December 31st. I tried this first in 2021, and then uh, we all got COVID, and my wife got seriously like complications from COVID, so it stopped. And then I tried again last year, got off to a really good start. Some uh, entries were the same, some I you know, kind of chose a, a new match. And then work really picked up. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get some really exciting opportunities in the technical writing field, uh, but it meant working, you know, 40-hour weeks. And I just had to shift priorities because the money was just too good. And doing that, it's a very mentally challenging thing. I know that sounds to some people like, you know, you're sitting on your couch. What do you mean? It's tiring. But mentally, it was taxing. Yeah, and I just didn't have really the bandwidth uh, to write. No. The write-ups. Um, yeah. And another thing that happened, and this may sound silly, but if you're a pet person, you'll get it. Um, my dog died in March uh, that I'd had for 11 years. And, like, that was his thing. Like, he would sit next to me and watch wrestling. And it took several months before I could really even watch it because it was just such a close memory. Like, before he lost his hearing, because he was old. He was 14. Before he lost his hearing, like he could hear the bell and the announcers and all that, and he would let out this satisfied, just like, it's like, okay, we're gonna be here for a while. It's it's wrestling watching time, so that was hard. So between the two of them, I just I just stopped. I didn't make an announcement. I didn't make a proclamation. I just quit posting stuff, and I'd love to go back to it at some point. But right now, I just have other priorities. Yeah, definitely understand. Life gets in the way. Congratulations on the job. And condolences. Yeah. It's always painful to lose a friend, uh, but we always try and keep that friend in mind. Uh, so I hope you continue to watch wrestling as you already have, as we will discuss today. John, with all that said, what are you watching? What's on your TV now? What are you watching today? Honestly, not a lot of wrestling. Um, I just think that in the last less than a year, the behind the scenes stuff and the palace intrigue is way more interesting than anything that they can put on TV. It's the most compelling quote unquote storylines they have, whether it's the whole um, brawl out situation in AEW or the power struggle and the uh, leadership changes going on in WWE where Vince, you know, retires and then came back to the surprise of really no one. All of that is just way more interesting and way more compelling to me. I still keep up with results. I'll catch clips here and there. I'll watch a, a GIF or JIF, however you want to say it. But it's 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 not 
it's not as interesting as the real story of what's happening. The backstage stuff has has supplanted the actual quote unquote creative that they're trying to present in the ring, which is probably really counterproductive for wrestling as a whole. I mean, we're sitting here January 14th. I've not watched the full match yet just because I I find the backstage stuff more interesting or I'm more likely to go, you know, watch football or something like that. Yeah, you touched on it. So let's talk about it. Vince McMahon is back. He was gone, but now he's back better than ever. Not Eric Bischoff. Vince McMahon. What do you think about Vince's return to the board of directors? The, the word gross comes to mind. If we can use kind of just a more base vocabulary, I, I think it's gross that he's back. I'm not surprised at all. I think it's inevitable that he will be back in charge of creative, whether that's an official thing or just nominal. It's a matter of time before he's before he's going to have his fingers in everything. Going to be back sitting at Gorilla, filtering everything, etc. And I have no interest in watching Vince McMahon book a wrestling show in 2023. I think I think his ship has sailed, and I think that is evident by just how dreadful in my opinion wwe was in the first half of 2022 and i know like i said i don't sit down and watch a lot of the stuff like in continuation but i do keep up with the results and that sort of thing uh and it just it just seems bad and triple h came in and yeah he made some changes and he brought back a bunch of his people that that he fired and 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 things seem to be on an uptick i think I don't know if the changes were as dramatic as everybody makes it out to be because everyone was just so desperate and excited to see someone who wasn't Vince McMahon running things. So I think a lot of those changes that have happened are more cosmetic, but it was still better than what we had. It was good to have more acknowledgement of wrestling history. Uh, The commentary, which is something I pay attention to as someone who's done commentary, Seemed a lot better. They seemed there seemed to be a lot more freedom for them to show their personalities and, and a lot more uh, leeway than the specific scripted lines that we know Vince was screaming in their ears for decades. I just don't. I, I think it's a matter of time before he comes back and he's just running everything, both business wise and creatively. And I just don't want to watch it if he's going to be involved with the the creative part of it. Um. I'm I'm probably out at that point. Like, no thanks. Yeah, Vince McMahon coming back. It was expected by a lot of people. Uh, he he's the majority shareholder. Like, this isn't new information that just came out. This is things that people knew for so long ago. Um, but to yeah, to just see him come back and essentially say, "Fuck you, pal. I am the board." And he yep. came back and he's calling shots and Stephanie McMahon step down one mcmahon in laws of exchange and alchemy one has to leave is that the rule yeah that's it's like the, the thunderdome two two mcmahon's <laughs> enter sir we might as well put your dog on the podcast get his thoughts on this <laughs> his thoughts are bark <laughs> and woof and arf 
Well, that's how um, I feel about Vince's return. A big wolf. I think I think But back to Stephanie. Stephanie's back out. To Stephanie. Stephanie's out. Um I don't know. I mean, she was kind of out before he left, wasn't she? She had taken her quote unquote leave. Yeah, she was out and then she came back. So once Vince uh resigned and he was gone, she came back. Less than a week after that meeting about how everything was going to stay the same. Yep. Yeah. Which makes you think, and then they have another meeting, and Triple H is like, I'm still here running creative and nothing's going to change. Like, why should anyone take that at face value? Yeah, no. So you've already proven you're in a chaotic environment. You've already proven things can change at at the drop of a hat. At yeah. any any day, especially given his position as executive chairman and whatever, he could just wake up and decide, you know, I want to come back. I want my my office and I want to sit in Gorilla and scream in the announcer's ear. Yeah, that's all he has to do. He okay. just has to write yep. it down on a piece of paper. Hey, guys, I know I'm the executive chairman and it includes these duties, but it also includes duties that are undefined, that may be expanded upon, whatever that language is. And he just decides, hey, I'm the head of creative or, you know what, Triple H? You will be the head of creative, and I'll just be the co-executive of creative, and we'll work together. And it's just it's very worrisome for the WWE fans in terms of the product and expectations. I do think the honeymoon period with Triple H is over. I understand what he's trying to do and his overall vision, but it's the same thing that happened with Paul Heyman when Vince allowed Heyman to uh, try and do his version of Raw and SmackDown, or maybe it was just one brand, that really featured younger talent, uh, guys like Andrade, uh, guys like Umberto, just the whole nine yards, and ratings were going down. It wasn't really working. A lot of what this what we see here, even with Triple H, is that they are digging themselves out of a pit in some way. And not to say that the pit was bad because obviously business is good. The stock price for WWE has gone up for the last five years. They are a billion dollar company now and they're looking to sell for billions. So business is good. Business is booming. But as far as the creative is concerned, I always looked at it as it's very hard to just remove generational connection connections and just you really have to strip WWE of everything that it's become and everything that it is to really get down to a lot of the root problems. And it's not going to be resolved in a few shows. It's not even going to be resolved in a year, honestly. It would have to be at least a one to two extremely honest effort uh, for two years for the vision and everything to really become fruitful and uh, change as far as a creative standpoint. Uh, you mentioned you don't watch much of wrestling. I don't watch WWE. I cannot stand the product. It is not for me. It is... <laughs> it's just Sorry. too much. No, that's fine. It is. Much like Cooper is too much right now. Yeah. Um, hanging hanging with Mr. Also, Cooper. There we go. My problem is it's the same formula now that we've seen for at least two decades. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's... You know, you're going to open the show, and sometimes you get a match, sometimes you get a promo. The sets look the same. The production is the same. Um, it's the same. It, it, you might be serving the the best 
burger in the world, but at some point you've got to you got to vary up your presentation, yeah. or people are going to get bored of it. You're going to get your 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 audience is going to become static, and I think we saw that when there was the change, and their ratings I think for the most part stayed the same, didn't they? Like when it initially happened last summer, yeah. I want to say that um, there was like no change in the ratings. I know business has been up in Vince's absence in other areas. But the TV audience, I think, is pretty static, and I think that's one problem that they may have when they have to negotiate more media rights, especially when you saw the thing that come out where Fox has actually lost a ton of money on SmackDown mm-hmm. because the wrestling audience is not is not growing; it's staying the same. Yeah, and and that's one of the things when they signed the billion dollar deals. I sat I sat there and said, "Wait a minute." I can understand 50 million a year for five years. I can even understand 100 million, but 200 or so, a billion dollars for both Fox and NBC. I said, there's no way that they're going to get a returned value in that. I mean, yeah, the WWE is a prop popular brand and I understand they want content that they don't really have to produce. And by they, I mean, Fox and NBC universal, uh, but yeah, I read the same report as you where it seems as though WWE is losing or excuse me, not WWE, but rather Fox is losing about 50 to 60 million dollars a year on the deal that they made with WWE uh, each year, about 100 to 200 million dollars uh, going in. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the TV rights are. And that's going to impact the rest of the business. Uh, because, again, if this is a situation where the next TV rights deal for WWE is $450 million for five years. Well, that's great. So about 100, a little over 100 a year, $100 million a year. That's fantastic for them. However, for someone like AEW, who's currently, I believe, doing about 40 million for Dynamite a year, what happens to them when they want to negotiate? If Vince is getting 100 and change, there's no way they're getting more than 50 to 60. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see the ripple effect across the business. Let's just go back to Stephanie McMahon as we're talking about the business and the ripple effect. Her legacy. She's out of WWE now. She's home. She recently twisted her ankle or broke her foot. She's in the hospital. She's recovering. Uh, she's going through rehab. But what a legacy. Uh, I want you to talk about Stephanie McMahon's legacy just for a moment. I mean, I think it's, I think like most things, it's, it's shades of gray. I think she's behind a lot of what we've seen as far as them making the women's wrestling more prominent. I also think where she was leading the creative branch of things for so long, she's also responsible for a lot of just the stagnation uh, that has been there with them for, for a while. So it's sort of like a little a column A, a little a column B thing for me. Yeah, Stephanie being part of creative, uh, again, a lot of what we see, uh, we can point to as positives. Uh, we can point to a bunch of negatives. Uh, I would definitely say. I mean, not part of, she she ran it for yeah. years. Oh, yeah. It was the one in charge. Mm-hmm. You're right. So, I mean, of course, Vince is ultimately in charge. But as far as like being in charge of the writers, that was her thing for years and years. And. I would I would describe the results of that of that tenure as both wildly inconsistent in terms of quality and also consistent to 
the level of being depressing in the fact we saw the, some of the same things over and over and over. Yeah, it, it was very much a it was very much a mindset that when you, when you're being creative, you just have to let your creativity speak. But as WWE grew and you have the stock market, then you have reputable sponsors, you have bigger cable deals, you're in other international markets that you weren't in before, you have bigger investors. All of a sudden, there's a responsibility of creativity and business. And a lot of times they overstep the line. And you could see that with the reaction to uh, something like the Muhammad Hassan Smackdown incident Mm. uh, and just so many others. Uh, throughout the company's career with Stephanie as head of creative or being part of that conversation in a uh, very noticeable capacity. So the ball was definitely missed, uh, but I feel as though the biggest hangup this entire time was just the philosophy of her dad of this is a business first. The creative has to go with the business. It's not really a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that we all enjoy. Perhaps the Bread is a little stale and the jelly's a little runny, but it's edible. And this is what's going to push us through the day. And ultimately, it was through her vision and her creativity and her leadership and part and just a lot of aspects of the business. It's a billion dollar business. We can sit here all day and talk about the product and the shortcomings and the failed pushes and the missed opportunities and the jokes. But at the end of the day, they have two. They have a, a one billion dollar deal from NBC Universal. Another billion dollar deal from Fox. The company is a billion dollars. They're looking to sell the company for billions of dollars. The stock price has gone up for the last five years. It's currently trading at its one of its highest numbers it's ever done. Yeah, but part of that's though because of the sale talk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I know we're going to get to, but anytime there's sale rumors for a big company like that, the stock price goes through the roof. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and actually, let's talk about that right now. The rumors. The rumors of the sale. Wide eyes. Bruh. Oh, my God. I'm hearing. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that. Oh, I don't want to say anything because I don't want blood on my hands. Let's talk about these wrestling journalists and pundits. This is a this is embarrassing. It, it really is. This th- these are adults. These are adults that are doing this, and they're doing it so they can get likes and retweets on social media. They're not making any money. They no one's inspiring to be them. They're not setting any standards. They're not changing the game. Wrestling journalists. Let's I guess talk about that just in general. Because you've done some journalism, you've done writing. I have. You've, uh, I've done a. Li- I've even done a little bit of wrestling journalism. I was on the staff at Fightful when they first started. So that was you sending out the big wide eye emojis. Was that no when job? they first started? And I will say, <laughs> as much as everybody wants to paint all of uh, wrestling journalism, use all the quotes you want um, with the same brush. Sean Sapp at least was like, "Okay, this is the rumors that were." He'll do that teaser thing. Sometimes, but he's not going to just say, oh, wow, just heard these big rumors and leave it be. You know, if, if he knows something like, okay, well, um, you know, like just heard there's a bunch of NXT releases coming and then he'll actually post the information on the releases. A lot of these other, I'm not even calling them journalists, I'm going to call them personalities, will just post something like, oh, just heard this huge rumor about this. And then they'll just 
and let it go. They'll get everybody all worked up and then not say anything because you can't traffic in rumors in journalism. And that's you can see that in uh, the guy who tweeted that the, the deal to Saudi Arabia was a done deal and the sale had been made. And then the next morning, the tweet was gone mm. because it had been proven that he had jumped the gun and they made him delete the tweet. I mean, thankfully, with screenshots and all, you know, it's still going to be there forever and linked to this guy. Um, what I was always told and taught when it came to reporting was it's better to be right than be first. Yeah. And that's hard to do in the world of social media. I can't, you know, I used to cover college football at Tennessee and Virginia Tech and all that. And I was doing it from 100 miles away. I wasn't in Knoxville, you know, like some of these other guys. I didn't have that pressure to break news. But I can't imagine with the explosion of social media. Social media was around. I stopped covering the team in 2010. So social media was around. Like I had a Twitter account and I'd be tweeting from the press box during the game with updates, just like everybody else was tweeting their updates from the press box, you know, or during the press conference. I never did the tweet during the press conference thing because I thought it was stupid because you're all just tweeting the same thing. It just like Coach Lane Kiffin says this about Florida, and then we all tweet that out about Florida. Okay, cool. Then what are you going to write later? But that's that's a rant for a different time. My point is social media is way bigger now, and I can't imagine doing that job in this environment with your unconfirmed sources that have your supposedly anonymous people that, you know, might be, it might be a bot. It might be like, like Kevin Durant where he had the, the, the fake account. Um, it just makes it so much more difficult. Yeah, it does. And there's obviously not a lot of betting going on. Uh, the journalist aspect. Yes, there are some people that are media personalities, uh, but at times I see that they hide behind that while trying to moonlight in some cases. They want it both ways. Exactly. They want it both they ways. They want to say they want to say that um, you know, they're a journalist, they have to do this and this and this, but they don't hold themselves to hardly any of the standards that a more traditional journalist would have. I mean, you could also argue that those traditional journalism standards have gone by the wayside in general, a lot of different places at this point. But wrestling journalism, again, using the quotes, is held to a much more forgiving standard than even like traditional sports journalism. I don't even want to and say it, it's forgiving. I, I, I understand what you mean by using that word, but I feel as though that is too – I feel like that's letting people off the hook. I mean this stuff is bad, and I think a lot of people know it's bad. It's just there's no other alternative. The but wrestling only, itself, you're, you're reporting on an industry that is built on those old carny roots and misdirection and, mm-hmm. and con men. And so if the journalists go that route too, I think people will just like, well, that's what you would expect. Yeah. And your 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 seasoned vets or whatever are not immune to it either. I don't know if you followed the thing with Meltzer. Meltzer reported a whole bunch of stuff about Dragon Gate, and his one source was an email a couple of emails he got from an account that turned out to be fake. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really fly under the radar because it went under the radar, excuse me, because you know, it was a Japanese promotion that doesn't get a lot of hype and attention here in the U.S. But that's that would be 
if I, during my newspaper days or, you know, covering football had, had written a whole big story based on one email I got from one person and it turned out that emailer was, you know, feeding me false information. That's, that's like a fireable offense. Of course, who's going to fire Dave Meltzer because he runs his outlet. Mm-hmm. But that would be like you would be fired. You would be your reputation to use the lexicon of, of William Regal would be besmirched <laughs> by that. And wrestling fans just seem to they just shrug and go on. Yeah, Dan Rather got in a lot of trouble years ago. Years ago, because of that, the whole uh, Bush. Uh, thing and the uh, I can't remember what it was it was just his tenure in the Air Force National Guard uh, Dan Rather had reported some very spotty information that did not check out and yeah and I feel as though we need to hold these people to a higher standard unfortunately a lot of it is clicks and engagement farming and there's money involved and unfortunately I mean thank God thank God Meltzer didn't do anything really unforgivable like uh, you know like a controversial tweet. Oh yeah, don't don't do that. That's unforgivable in wrestling now. Yep. Or retweet something that people would disagree with. Yeah. Don't don't like tweets. Don't retweet. Don't tweets. like tweets. Don't don't tweet. Just don't do don't, anything. Just look at it. Don't uh, close the like app. is <laughs> like is the only like the only means of interaction. Like and retweet are the only means of interaction you have with a tweet. So, I mean, that's why mine says mine with my however many dozens of followers just like like and retweet does not equal endorsement but yeah i feel like that's a rule that is understood by many and then of course ignored by many many more so wrestling journalists suck Uh, again there's a lot of people doing good work out there a lot of good researchers a lot of people uh, like a brandon thurston and chris harrington when he was uh part of wrestlenomics they're not into speculation as far as what's going on backstage or making up rumors. They just look at the SEC reports. They look at what's happening on the Wall Street. They're reporting what the Wall Street Journal says, etc. And they have credibility because they are only reporting the facts. They're not making anything up. All of its data and everything that they're reporting on isn't some secret, oh, how did they get that? It's out there on the open. It's out there on the Internet. Everyone can get it. And so they have credibility. Uh, like I said, there's other people uh, that do some really good research. David Bigspan. Uh, mm. He, yeah, I, I have my thoughts and opinions. No comment. Bigs, but I don't want to. I don't want to go down that road we, and end we up don't have to. and end up with him going on a Twitter rant against me and like all that stuff. But <laughs> nope. Well, follow. Moving David. on. Yeah, follow. I'll just say one final thing on David Bigspan. Follow Dave's Twitter. If you want to know how to wipe your no. ass and flush the toilet correctly and whatever he's posting, he posted something weird the other day. And I was like, okay, well, now that it's I'm straight out. It's yeah. any day. <laughs> Let's look at WWE. They're selling. We talked about this. Potential buyers. There's so many names, but I want to really talk about two. Let's focus on two. The first, Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. The fund that is set up, apparently they are interested. What, let's just pretend for a moment that this particular deal goes through. Okay. What do you see 
the creative looking like? What do you see the presentation? What do you see the overall product? Let's just, just from a ground level, it's, it's January 15th, or let's go just January 14th today. This is when we're recording. Saudi Arabia, KSA, what's going on, John? So it's it's technically the, the public investment fund, which for anyone that doesn't know, mm-hmm. that's basically like this giant financial entity that is run by the royal family of Saudi Arabia. And I think it's also worth noting that they own other things. Uh, they started Live Golf, right, last year. Yeah. They own uh, Newcastle United, mm-hmm. uh, Premier League soccer team, which also happens to be the team I root for, which, you know, that's fine because I enjoyed the beer. That was the team I picked back in like 2006. Mm-hmm. They have my uh, minority shares and a bunch of other things in video game companies, um, social media companies, all these different things. Now, to my understanding, and just looking at like the Newcastle website, there was all this when all this, the Saudi news broke, right? Everybody lost their minds yeah. on Twitter. And I'm not I'm not saying that in an attempt to be hyperbole. People lost their minds. They said, Oh, uh, every woman that works there is gonna be fired. Anyone Jewish that works there is gonna be fired. Anyone, you know, that is LGBT is gonna be fired. Last I checked, I'm pretty sure that these big social media companies probably still have people of different sexual preferences and gender identities working for them. Uh, pretty sure Newcastle still has, at the very least, like women working for them. And as it was pointed elsewhere on Twitter, I think by our, our, our dear friend, Mr. Lettuce, and if you know, you know, if you were to come in and say, all right, all the women are fired and all the gay and bisexual and, and, and transsexual people are fired, you're still doing business in America. That would violate all – every lawsuit in the world would get filed for okay. wrongful termination. Yep. Even if it's a private company, you can still be sued for wrongful termination and whatnot. Do I believe the reports? Then the other saw the reports, oh, there's going to be massive walkouts of talent if they buy it. I do think some people will probably leave. Sami Zayn, chief among them, I think he would be, I think he would just quit. But I know enough wrestlers and have been around wrestling enough in the last you know, 15 years in particular to know that wrestlers for the vast, the vast, vast majority of wrestlers, 99.5% of wrestlers, when it comes to their careers, are going to look out for number one. When you also factor in the amount of money that the Saudis have at their disposal, I don't think the walkouts are going to be as prevalent as people would want you to believe. People who are advocating would want you to believe. It's going to be they walk in there like, I quit. I'm, I'm discouraged with this, you know, the Saudis and the human rights and all this stuff. So I'm not going to stay. And then they're going to sign them a check, and they're going to see the zeros. And they're going to be, okay, what time is call time for Raw on Monday? Because I'll be there. Yeah, because that's what we've been seeing over the last few years. We had Carl Anderson swearing up and down. He would never return to WWE. He's in WWE. 
Mickey James received her items in a trash bag. And next thing you know, she's back in WWE twerking down the ring with the Impact title entering the Royal Rumble. Uh, we there's just so many we instances had, of this. We can we can cuss on here, right? We yeah. can curse. We can yeah. use the the swear words. Yeah, Phil Mickelson, it. the the golfer, mm-hmm. who does not hurt for money, he's already set for life. And when the live golf thing was first coming together, he referred to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia as scary motherfuckers, and acknowledged that they killed Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist. Guess where Phil Mickelson is signed to, and where he's playing golf right now. Because it ain't the PGA. It's mm-hmm. Live Golf. They have enough money at their disposal that people who are already set, they already have that generational wealth that you hear talked about. They're still signing checks that are so big for at least some of these golfers and also soccer, you know, with Newcastle, that people are taking that money. Mm-hmm. When you also figure in that wrestling is, to me, part of the identity of, of being a wrestler is struggle. Unless you come from money, you have dealt with, you know, crappy conditions, crappy pay, long drives, sleeping in your car, all that stuff. You know, even the, the, the people in NXT, when they were working the loops and stuck at the performance center, that's not a probably the, the greatest existence in the world. You're making decent money, but you're not you're not set for life or anything like that from that. And if you go to a bunch of people who have struggled in an an industry that where that struggle permeates things and you offer them money that's going to set them for life or even generational wealth, 99% of them are probably going to take it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we're looking at in this scenario. We're looking at such a game changer in terms of money. It's one thing to go to someone uh, at the, at a time, Kenny Omega, the young bucks, they were free agents. It's one thing to say, hey, guys, let's uh, do a deal where it's a million dollars a year for five years and you can get out, you know, That's pocket third, fourth now. year. Yeah. And now it can and just for the be. Record, I still think I still think Saudi, the, the Saudi fund will be who buys WWE mm-hmm. just because this report was errant. Um, I, I think that's who will end up buying it because that's the only path for Vince McMahon to remain in charge if you sign if you sell it to another media conglomerate like comcast or warner brothers or fox or whoever or disney i think fox is part of disney but for one one of the big ways that wwe makes money is the media rights right Mm -hmm. the rights to broadcast the shows to stream the the archive through the network i know it's not the network anymore that's a big way they make their money. That's one of those billion-dollar deals, right, is the, the, the Peacock. They have the three billion-dollar deals. Yeah. If you have a media conglomerate that buys them, you're shutting yourself off to a lot of that money. So then how does wrestling – how does WWE bring in money? Because it's not through ticket sales and merchandise. That's not how they make the most of their money. They make most of their money from – these media rights deals. So it doesn't make sense for me for another media company to buy it. Uh-huh. It just, it just doesn't like why didn't how, okay. NBC buys it. So now they own WWE. So they don't have to pay for, to like put it on raw. Yeah. Okay. How are you going to make that money back? Cause you can't sell those 
broadcast rights anymore. Mm-hmm. That does not make sense to me. And it, or I think it's going to be ultimately a losing proposition for that conglomerate. And then we're going to see, you know, if they're looking at it on a balance sheet, that could be it. Yeah, and it's, it turns into one of those things where it becomes WCW in some respect. Uh, because if, when a company invests or even buys, obviously they're looking for a return. And the moment mm-hmm. ticket sales drop, ratings drop, whatever that may be, there will be a Jim Hurd. There will be uh, you know, some other executive that sits there and says, hey, guys, you know, maybe we should do this. And that recommendation may be great, it may be bad, it may not even matter, but it's going to slowly open the door for more. And next thing you know, you have, we already have a guy who is focused uh, with Vince McMahon and his whole crew, if we will, focused on business and creative. It's essentially going to shift over to purely business, as WCW did. In a lot of cases where it didn't matter what the creative direction was, it was just about the business. And we're here just to do business. And like I said, when you're in a creative space, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's kind of bad. It is bad if business is leading everything else. I mean, yes, it can be hand in hand. There can be percentages, et cetera, on how it's applied. But the business first and uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the creative or we'll worry about whether it makes sense or not down the line or uh, it doesn't matter whether the fans are with it or not. This is what we're going to do to save money. And it is what it is. Tony Khan. There is there are reports that Shad Khan, Tony Khan and some investors are getting together. They are interested. They are potential buyers. A monopoly in pro wrestling, I lived through that. A lot of people, I I don't want to say it's a significant amount, but a number of people I've seen online, they grew up during the monopoly era. They don't realize what we're dealing with or rather what we're seeing with AEW and how special it is. And so I'm seeing a lot of people calling for a return to the monopoly of Tony Khan just owning everything. That's not going to happen. And why do you think that is? I just don't think it'll happen. I think because Vince McMahon makes the final call, right? Mm -hmm. He's not going to sell to the competitor. He's just not. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a... That's all it it comes down to. He clearly doesn't... He doesn't think he should have had to retire in the first place. He's come back because he still wanted to be involved. He's working this sale. And... He's not going to be happy if if he sells, but then he has to leave the company. He wants to stay involved. He will stay executive chairman and whatever else and in charge until he's dead at this point. That's also why I don't think he sells to some other media conglomerate because no American media conglomerate is going to want to do business with Vince McMahon or put him in a position of power because of all the allegations against him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Saudis would care. Yeah, because and the interest because it wouldn't is, be a publicly traded company anymore. Exactly. They're not going to care. They're just going to say, "Vince, here you go. You just run it." And I also don't buy the hysteria that if this if they do buy it, that WWE would not have a broadcasting home. 
looking at the issues with Live Golf. The difference is, is Live Golf is a new brand starting from scratch. WWE is established. Yeah. Has been there for years. Somebody will put their stuff on streaming or cable or something like it may end up being streaming like exclusively streaming i could see that but somebody will still pay up that money yeah and a lot of flack uh, wrestling fans give raw a lot of flack uh, for the creative and deservingly so but in all reality for the last 30 years Raw has been one of, if not the, number one cable shows on Monday nights for that time slot. That means something. They've been doing it for 30 years for a reason. SmackDown, 20 years. uh, Over 20 years for a reason. So uh, I can definitely see them being picked up. Those two shows at least. Uh, Anything else as far as main event, NXT, etc. They may retain international rights or be distributed in some other way. Uh, but I can definitely see WWE programming staying abroad, or not staying abroad, but staying afloat, staying available, especially since we have AEW as a hot commodity right now that Warner Brother Discovery is totally behind with the Game of Thrones and then essentially the House of Dragons promotion years later. Uh, so we definitely see some positive growth there. So I I see WWE having a home where it's going to be interesting. Uh Again, they've had this Universal, NBC Universal partnership for years. So we may see everything just filter over there as far as rights are concerned. What do you look, what do you think, John, wrestling is going to look like once WWE is purchased? WWE's purchased, uh, let's say it becomes a private company. Vince is there. A few things are changed. Do you think anything outside of the WWE landscape will change? Again, if we are taking a look at the public fund for Saudi Arabia, we're now taking a look at the company to be in as far as big checks are concerned. Because someone like a Kenny Omega, when he becomes a free agent, can easily be offered a $25 million contract for seven years. We're talking about major league soccer contracts. NBA, NHL, you name it. You name the major sports. Wrestlers could start dealing with that. Do you think that will have any, or rather, you know, with that and other things, how do you see the landscape outside of WWE after the sale? Um, right after or like down the road? Down the road. So not within the first 30 days, but after about a year or so, two years, once everything starts settling and we see what's really going on. What do you think is going to happen? Okay, so there's two scenarios here, and I don't know how deep you want to go and how long you want this to go. But let's say that they go private, which the only path to that is if the Saudi fund buys them. That's the only path that I see. Uh, You're going to have a bunch of outcry initially on social media And then I think you're going to have a lot of people disappointed when the mass walkout of talent that they think will happen doesn't happen. Um, You're going to have some of these streaming deals come up. Vince will be in charge, which honestly, for me, the idea of Vince being in charge creatively is more offensive than the thought of the Saudis owning it. But that's just me. But those two are going to go hand in hand. Then I think down the road, they will... There will be maybe some issues on renegotiating TV rights, but they'll find a home eventually. 
now let's say they sell to a, a big media company, like we've said, like like Disney or Comcast. One positive about that, at least in theory, is your archive is going to be intact because it's going to be streaming somewhere. And hopefully they keep it as intact as possible because it's such a huge chunk of wrestling history. And it's honestly depressing for me that one person or one company owns so much of that. But that's a topic for a different show. You're also losing a big portion of your income from those media rights deals because they aren't going to exist. If, if Comcast owns WWE, all their programming is going to show up on Comcast-related platforms, you would think. And so how are you making money? Either way, I think that in 10 years, you might see Raw. I think you would see Raw on TV still somewhere or streaming somewhere. But the two shows on TV once a week, I think that will be a thing of the past. I think, you'll see the, I think you'll see the end of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And if Saudis do sign it, they're going to have the money to sign anybody they want, like you said. So then it becomes for the individual talents are, do you want to go get signed for this huge money and maybe be just sitting at home like some of those WCW contracts they handed out? Or do you want to wrestle more and go somewhere else? Because Tony Khan has deeper pockets right now than Vince McMahon. Oh, yeah. He doesn't really use it. He doesn't have all those resources at his disposal. But the Saudis have way deeper pockets than Tony does. Yeah, and I and Tony Khan, he's a student of the game. He is not going to get into a bidding war. If it comes down to, hey, the new WWE wants to pay, like I said earlier, $5 million for a seven-year deal with Kenny Omega, $35 million, or $35 million, Tony Khan will probably come back and say, hey, listen, I'll give you $5 million, but we're not going to go broke over one guy. And no. so, yeah, this may just be a situation where WWE, I mean, it's already considered the major leagues. It's the New York Yankees all over again, just for pro wrestling. It's going to be higher and bigger than it ever was, even bigger than WCW when they were doing it. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see. John, I hope you are watching wrestling by then. Stay out of the dirt sheets, my man. More wrestling. I think I think long term you may see WWE go the way of like how in Japan, you know, wrestling's not really on traditional Japanese TV anymore. It's it's streaming and online and all that sort of thing. And I think you could see a diff- a similar fate for wrestling here where it becomes more of a a niche streaming thing Hmm. which is a little depressing it is it's uh like as you were saying that i was like wow to see this just popular medium that has millions of fans around the world be regulated to just youtube and streaming services and gone are the days of turning on the tv and watching monday night raw it is now you fire up Apple TV or any of the streaming services, and that's where it resides forevermore. I, th- I think it could happen. I think Raw would be the last one to go off. SmackDown would be first, but 
I could see it, like regardless of what happens with the company and where they end up. I could see it. Yeah. Every store has a beginning and an end, and it appears that we are watching this one slowly die. This will be. It's a happy outlook. It's not a happy outlook for sure, but it's just. It's, I might be wrong. I might be. We might look back at this in a year or two, and I'm just talking about how wrong I am. Yeah. Well, hey, if we're wrong, we're wrong. That means it's going to be even more interesting to watch all of this play out. But John Morehouse, it was good catching up. The military industrial suplex. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Are you going to start watching wrestling again, John? Probably eventually. <laughs> when the, when the, when the, the real-life stuff stops being more interesting than what's on TV... All right. I'll watch more wrestling. You, you hear that, Tony Khan and Vince McMahon? Stop making things interesting behind the scenes. No more lawsuits. No more fights backstage. No more corporate overtakes. Let's just keep it all in the ring. Everybody go home and try and live a normal life. You guys are billionaires. This is unbelievable. But if I had a billion dollars, I'd probably do some stupid shit as well. Oh, yeah. Such as... This podcast, the Military Industrial Suplex here on the Pro Wrestling Only Mostly Network. So many great shows, Busting Balls, Gideon Guys, Mystery Titans Theater. Shout out to Johnny Hedgepath and so many more. Boom Pro Wrestling, and Travis Kelly, everyone. Trevor Dame, through the years. He's lasted so many years and he keeps going through the years. Unbelievable. And John, of course, you, thank you for coming. Thank you for stopping by. 2023, it's going to be beautiful. Thanks for letting me come on and and rant and be proven how wrong I am about stuff. (laughs) Hey, you're always welcome here to rant. And listeners, you're here, or rather, you're not here. Well, yes, you are here because you're listening to me. But you are always welcome here as well to the Military Industrial Suplex. Oh, 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 oh,